Good morning. I'm so excited to come this morning and share God's word with you. I would like for you to please open with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 to 12. We're going to read from there, and then we'll take it up from there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, chapter 4, verse 1 to 12. If you are there, amen. This is what it says. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, I'm reading from the NIV version. We instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know that instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, and that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, as we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. The very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, so that you will not be dependent on anybody. A very potent portion of scripture. This morning, the title of my message is Faith to Flourish, Family Devoted. Faith to Flourish, Family Devoted. What is it that they are supposed in this letter as Paul was writing to the Thessalonians? What were they supposed to be family devoted to? In this portion, in these 12 verses, we just read the things that he, be, he keeps on highlighting in the whole portion. Now, in verse 1, he starts off by saying, we want to urge you. You are already doing these things. We know you are already doing these things. But we want to urge you, do this more and more. Why is that? Thank you for asking. (laughs) The reason was that in the day and age when Paul was writing this, remember the history of this is that Paul only spent the month and him and Silas were persecuted, so they had to run away. Now he wrote a letter and he sends them this letter, and in this letter he writes these words. That is the background. And so he felt that he hasn't done a complete job yet. He felt that he could have done more work if he stayed a bit longer. So he writes to them and says, I know you're doing these things, but do them more and more. So the first verses, first verse one and two, he tells them, please remember, we need to do this more and more. What are those things? Paul highlights three main points. Three main points. The first one that he highlights is that you are to live a holy lifestyle. You are to have a holy lifestyle, not just living like the world does. That's why I put the emoji there. Do you like it? (laughs) The emoji is to remind you that we are to live a holy lifestyle. We are not to live like the world 
lives. We are called to much more. Now, what does holy mean? What does it mean to be holy? Holy simply means to be set apart for God's purposes. To be set apart for God's purposes. And so when you are holy, you are set apart, you are different. You are the opposite of the world system. Now, Paul doesn't just say, live a holy life, and he leaves them there. He gives them very clear instruction. The first instruction that he gives to them is that they were to avoid sexual immorality. They were to avoid sexual immorality. Because in that era, in that day and age, sexual immorality was tolerated. People could have extramarital affairs, and there was no one to ask and to question them. People could go around and sleep with each other outside marriage, and it was fine. Because the society of the day tolerated it. It was fine with it. Paul here says they are to avoid sexual immorality. We live in a world today where this is also tolerated. It has become part of a life and society where sexual immorality is tolerated. You see, the Word of God doesn't just reflect who we are. It also confronts who we are. It confronts our society and it says, this is wrong. It's not supposed to be like that. We live in a world where we don't even have to pursue illicit material. Pornography is everywhere, billboards everywhere. I said to my wife the other day, I don't know how to drive anymore because now I must be driving like this. <laughs> There's a billboard on your left, billboard on your right. Am I ever going to get home? <laughs> Why? Because the world is splashing this thing in, in our eyes. We have to protect our kids. Oh, Lord, help. We're crying out, oh, what are we supposed to do? Paul here, he says, in the day and age, it was tolerated, but you are not to live like that. You are holy. You are to be set apart. You are to be pure in God's sight. And so whenever we live in a world like this, a couple of things do take place. We get tempted. All of us are tempted, including me. I am tempted. But it's not in the temptation that is the biggest issue. It's if, it's if when we are tempted and we do sin and we stay in that sin where God says, no, you need to be out of that place. You see, the whole thing around the sexual immorality, it drags us down, it breaks our spirit. Interesting enough here, Paul is not speaking to pagans, people who don't know God or Jesus. He's speaking to the believers. He says, stay away from this. Perhaps you are here this morning, and you know your walk with the Lord is not pure. And you are challenged by this sexual immorality. Temptation is overwhelming you. You have fallen, but you haven't been able to rise up again because you feel condemned. You see, the powerful thing about Jesus, that's why he came and he died on the cross so that his blood can cleanse away our sin. My goodness. I don't have a chance to cleanse myself of sin. Only his blood can do that. You see, as much as God confronts sin, he never leaves us like that. While you're sinking and you're going deeper and you say, Lord, help me, he grabs you. I got you and he pulls you out. Man! 
And so if you find yourself this morning in that space where you go, ah, God is saying something to me around this. You're battling with lust and pornography and the materials and the temptation, and you're battling with uh, extramarital affairs. You're battling with a lifestyle where you are staying together, but you're not in the marriage, in the covenant that God has called you to. I want to encourage you this morning. There is a way out because our God is a God of the second chance. He doesn't leave us condemned. He comes and he reaches out to each one of us. This morning, I would like to encourage you. We're going to have our pastoral team here. Come, let's pray with you. Let's stand with you. You see, in the dark, sin has a grip on us. But in the light, it loses its power because it's in the open. It's in the open. And so I want to encourage you this morning. As much as this is a challenge, it's also an invitation. That's our God. That's the God we serve. And so Paul says to them, listen, you are not supposed to be like this. Avoid sexual immorality. The other thing he tells them to do, he says you are to control your own bodies. Why? Because we are not like animals. We are not led by instincts. We can control our own bodies. He encourages them, control your own bodies. Your eyes, where you go, what you do. Very important. We are to make sure that we can control our own, our own bodies. The other thing he says to them is that they are to reach out. They are to reach out to others. Reach out to others and not take advantage of them. Reach out for the well-being of others. See how you can do well for others. See how you can be a blessing to others. It's a tough thing in our society where everyone is trying so much to just keep things for themselves. As long as I'm here safe with my family, that's fine. God is calling us for more. For us as believers, we are the salt. We are the light. We are the hope of our nation. Us here who know him, he has more for us to do in this world. And that's why he says a holy lifestyle is being set apart for the purposes of God. We are being set apart for the purposes of God. Interesting enough that in the whole Bible we see illustrations. The illustrations of how people had temptations where they could easily have fallen to that and it didn't happen because they put their God first. You see, it's not a, a pursuit of a, an intellectual thing where you have to overcome it. But being holy and being set apart for God it's a call to be obedient. To be obedient, to submit ourselves under the Lordship of Jesus. And we are not saying that we should be focusing on how we can repel the things we cannot do, but how we can accommodate and avail ourselves for what God wants to do in and through us. If your heart was like a house and God knocked and you opened and he came and he sat down and you said, Lord, come, come and see what's in my house and you show him everything, and you open the cupboards, and then God says, and that cupboard, and you say, no, 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 you see, you can have all, <laughs> you can open all these cupboards, that one is mine. <laughs> God requires more from us. We read the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 39, how he resisted temptation from Potiphar's wife, and how he fled and he ran away because he wanted to remain holy and pure. He controlled his own body. 
And by so doing, he even honored Potiphar and the wife because he was looking not to take advantage, but he was looking to make a difference, to highlight a lifestyle of being holy. And so we are called to have a lifestyle of being holy. We are also called to have fear of the Lord. We are called to have a fear of the Lord. In our lives, when we have fear of the Lord, not fear of not sinning against God, but fear of the Lord. God is good to me. He loves me. I don't want to do this because he already loves me. Because he is for me, I don't want to fall into this lifestyle that is impure. And so God calls us for more, to love him. And how do we love him? We show it by living a holy life. The second main point that Paul highlights in the passage, he says you are to have a loving lifestyle. A loving lifestyle. Do you like my emoji? (laughs) We are to have a loving lifestyle. What is a loving lifestyle? Thank you for asking. This congregation is wonderful. Ask good questions. What is a loving lifestyle? Paul goes on and he explains and he says a loving lifestyle is a selflessness where you just don't look out for number one first. You, have, you reach out to make selfless acts of kindness. Selfless acts of kindness. A couple of years ago, I remember, I was in the shop and there was this lady in front, she was paying and she had a bit of groceries and she had a, a, like a baby on, on her arm, on her left arm, and she was busy paying, paying, and I felt the Lord uh, tugging my heart to say, I must get ready to give to her. Whatever that she's short, I must, I must uh, cover it for her. So I was like, oh, this, is, this is not a lot of stuff. You know, she had a few things. So it was like, beep, 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 beep. So the numbers keep, keep going up, beep, 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 beep. After a while, she said to the lady, hi, yeah, yeah, where you coming? Can I just pay? I'm not going to pay for these few things. It was around four things that she left out. And she left out about four things. And after that, she paid, and the Lord said, your turn now, you know. Give, give, give her some money so she can cover the rest of the four things. And I thought, hi, man, this is going to look funny. She's going to look at me and wonder, why am I doing this? Why? You know what I'm saying? I start to have doubts in my heart. No, man, no, it's not, it's not right. I shouldn't do this. Ah, yeah, you know. So she took the stuff, put it in a plastic, and then she walked she walked away. Yeah, but then there was like this uncomfortable feeling in my heart, like I missed out on something. I saw a name now recently. They call it FOMO, fear of missing out. <laughs> uh, I mustn't say more. Fear of missing out. And so there was a fear of missing out, and I felt like sure, I missed out on something, something bigger. And so I thought, yeah, I need to... Let me, quickly, let me quickly go to her, catch and ask her, please come back, here's the stuff, take it, bless you, God is good to you, bye-bye. You know, I thought of doing that. So I said to the lady, can I just please leave my stuff here? I said to the teller, can I please leave my stuff here? I want to quickly grab the lady so she can come back and I'll pay for the rest of the things. It was like 30 seconds that she was out of the shop. I looked for her, the whole complex. I couldn't find her. <laughs> can you imagine what's happening in my heart? I, I missed a lot there. <laughs> and I missed out on it. And I went home and I said, Lord, can you please forgive me? I missed out on a selfish act 
of kindness. You see, selfless acts of kindness are not big, huge thing, buying someone a house, a car, or something like that. No, selfless acts of kindness are small things. Those four little things for someone would do. And so I missed out on that thing, and so I asked God, God, you know, Lord, you are God of the second chance. I've seen you doing second chances for others. Can you do a second chance for me? I want an opportunity like that again, where someone is short, they don't have enough, and I jump in. So the situation came up again where there was someone else and this person was praying, bread, stuff, meat and everything else and then they're like, ah, oh, you know what, I'm gonna just leave this, this bread out because actually I don't have enough for it. And the lady says, but the teller said to him, yeah, but it's only five friends. I felt the Lord says, that's your cue. Hey, I jumped, five friends this year, Baba. I jumped, five friends this year. I'm not gonna miss out this time. I'm not going to miss out. So I paid an extra five friends. Yes, the guy was like, wow, that's so cool. Thanks, man. Gave me a shake. Cool. Yeah, no, that's good, man. Yes. And when I got to the tail, I'm like, yeah, you saw that. <laughs> five friends, Baba. You saw that. Five friends. I'm covered. The moral of the story, very simple. Whenever God does like a tug in your heart, just pull it a little bit. Maybe it's an opportunity to have a selfless act of kindness towards someone. And you never know, maybe it's a five rand, maybe it's a 10 rand, but if it's to the glory of God, my goodness, I am glad to be part of that. I am so glad to be doing it to the glory of God. And so Paul says to his disciples in Thessalonica, in the congregation, he tells them, live this life, live the life of loving others and do it well. We are to reach out to others with love. Reaching out to others with love. We are to be hospitable towards others. And these things of being hospitable and reaching out to others with love, it doesn't mean that it's for people that we only know. Jesus even gives an illustration and a story in one of the Gospels. He says, what is the point of loving people who loves you back? What is the point of inviting people who will invite you back? The other day we had someone who came to do some work quickly and we were about to have supper and we felt to invite them in to come and have supper with us. They felt awkward, but then the food was so good because my wife can't cook, my goodness. <laughs> and so the food was so good and the guy was enjoying the food and it's like, sure, do you do this every day or was it like a birthday party of someone else? Like, no, man, this is like normal stuff, you know? This is like, this is like normal stuff. And we are being hospitable. But I can tell you now, the, the fulfillment, this person wouldn't hang out in our, in our circle of friends and, and people, but the fact that we made provision for the person to be on our table and to share food with us, and to op they opened up about their lives, and we prayed with them, and when they left, they're like, they've never had, they, we saw later that on Facebook they posted that this is the best time they've ever had, you know, having dinner with someone, because they never ever had those times. They're always eating on the go. But what it does mean is we all have an opportunity in our own space, in our own way, God can use us to reach out to others. God can make small things to mean a lot as long as it's to his glory. And so we are to be hospitable, hospitable, we are to reach out to others. The third main point that Paul highlights to this congregation, he says they are to have a quiet lifestyle, a quiet lifestyle. Now, I don't know about you, but a quiet lifestyle 
doesn't mean that you are just silent, sitting, doing nothing. That's not what it means. Doesn't mean like when you are being shushed, calm down, shh, don't say anything, you know, just be quiet. That, that, that's, not what he, well, that's, what he, that's not what he meant in this passage. A quiet lifestyle, it's actually more like a posture, if I may put it like that. It's a, it's a position that you take. So if, if I'm standing and everything else, you can feel like I'm, I'm busy doing something. But something happens when I sit down, isn't it? Something happens, a posture that I take. And so in the scripture, when he says a quiet lifestyle, it's a posture. It's a posture that you take. And this posture has a couple of things that he was trying to highlight in this passage. He mentions things about minding your own business. But posture, when we read throughout the Bible, whenever there's something about being quiet, it speaks about being thoughtful, about being purposeful, about being restful. And those are not the things that you do on the go. They are the things that you take a position of. You take a posture of being thoughtful. You take a posture of thinking things through. Sometimes we don't even have time to process things. Sometimes we, the things are completely out of order. But the quiet lifestyle is the one that requires us to just take a pause. In the Psalms, you would read sometimes there would be a portion where it says, Selah. Pause and think. Pause and process. Pause, contemplate. Meditate. It's a posture that we take. The world we live in, we live in now demands of us. It screams of us. More, more, next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. More, more, and the next thing. But Paul here, he says, the world that's screaming all these things to you, remember, you need to take a post, position, a posture of being quiet, of being quiet. And to just remember, what are the things that, that I need to do now? What are the things that I need to be going into now? You find that most of the time in our lives, we find very, things are very stressful. There's kids, there's work, there's family, there's mom, there's dad, there's health, there's you can count them, the list is endless. But in the midst of that, I believe it's in Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know I am God. In the midst of all that, be still and know that I am God. Why must we be still and know that he's God? Because in our hustle and bustle, moving from one thing to the other, taking the boxes, making it go well, we get tired, we get weary. We need to take a posture of being quiet. We need to take a posture of reflecting, reflecting what has the Lord done. And I wanted to share a little bit with you this morning if I can just highlight that, that point for you. It's not my real journal, because my journal must be, must be at home. So I brought a piece of uh, book and uh, paper here to say that for me, how it works is I just take, um, maybe after a month or two, I don't write all the time. But whenever I do write something, I always just take this posture of taking a seat and just sitting down and asking the Lord, Lord, I want you to speak to me. What are the things that I need to reflect on? Are the things you are saying to me, are the things that I might have missed or missing 
I want to just take a posture of just being quiet, being quiet in your presence. And I know our minds like race all the time. And so what I did was I, I did two portions. So at the top part, I would write my thoughts. So anything that I'm thinking at that moment, I would write it out. Uh, need to take the kids, and need to... Uh, everything that I'm thinking about at that moment, I would write it out. Then I would wait a little bit to see if there's anything else that comes to mind. If nothing else comes to mind, then I make a line, and then I say, I write his voice. Then I would underline his voice, and then I would wait, Lord, is there anything you want to say to me? And then I would wait for a little bit. The first thing for me is, is just, there's just a sense of peace. I just feel peace. It's almost like, I don't know if you've been in a train before, where a train goes for a while, and when it's about to approach the platform, it starts to slow down. The train never just slams its brakes, you know? It's just, you have to slowly approach the platform. And so I always feel like with my mind, and the things that are going in my mind the whole time, as I do this, it's as if the train is slowing down. It's as if I'm approaching the platform. And when I get to the platform, I'm able to actually hear what the Lord says. And I'll start to write down what he says to me. And so a quiet lifestyle means a time of contemplation, meditation, waiting and hearing what the Lord has, is saying to you. And when you do that, and even in this time that we are going into in December time, maybe it's the moments where the Lord wants you to go into those spaces where you sit down and you go, God, is there something you want to say to me? Are there things that you are saying to me that I might be missing? What are the things that I need to reflect on? What are the things that I need to step into? Because if you just keep on going, you just keep on going, later you realize, I think I might have missed the Lord. I think I missed him because I didn't take time to listen. And when we hear what God is saying and we write it down, later, when things go difficult and challenging, when things go well even, we can go back and we can remember. Oh, Lord, this is what you said to me. Oh, I remember this. Oh, praise you, God. Because then it's as if you are in a journey with him. And when you're in a journey with God, we guarantee you there is so much adventure. But God carries all of us, as we walk with him, as we engage with him, he walks with each one of us. So Paul is saying these things to his disciples, the guys, the congregation in, Thessalonic, in Thessalonica. He says to them, remember, you are supposed to have a holy lifestyle, the lifestyle that encourages others to know this is God and these are his people, and they look like this. Paul goes on to say that you are to have a loving lifestyle, a lifestyle that looks out for the best of others, a lifestyle that pulls them in and shows them Jesus. Because that lifestyle is what we are called for, the believers. We are called to do those things, to encourage and to love. He says to them, you are to have a quiet lifestyle. Mind your own affairs. Give it your best in all that you do. Be thoughtful. Contemplate on things. Write it down. Remember what the Lord has said to you. And engage with those things. So I wonder this morning, where do you find yourself in this letter that Paul wrote? Where do you find yourself 
If we were to put a word over your head, what will it say about you? Will it be love, anger, temper, joy, peace, laughter, work, business? What will the word be if we were to put it on you? If we were to put it on me, what would those words be? What Paul is saying in this letter about the fact that we are to be holy, we are to be loving, we are to be quiet. What will the words be? And so I would like to invite you to please bow your heads. And to just take this moment and to say, Lord, is there something you are highlighting around these words? A holy lifestyle, a loving lifestyle, a quiet lifestyle. Are there things that the Lord is, is tugging in your heart to say, this is the one thing I want to talk to you about. This is the one thing I want you to be able to change. This is something that I want you to work with me. Open this part of your house, of your heart towards me. I want to do more. God is a good, good father. He's a loving father. And he never calls us to the things and the burdens we cannot bear or carry. And even through all this, this might sound so challenging and so difficult. How, how am I going to love strangers, love people I, I don't even associate with? How am I going to live this holy life I'm called to? My life is not even quiet. I'm not even quiet within myself. You see, when Jesus died and he rose again and he went to the Father, he said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He will remind you of all those things. But you see, the Holy Spirit doesn't only remind us, he empowers us. He empowers us to live for God, to live according to Jesus' standards. And, and he enables us, not only that, he enables us to do that. And perhaps this morning, you are in the space where you think, I don't know, I'm not sure. I want to pray a prayer for you. It's in Jude, Jude 1, verse 24 to 25. The Lord has really been talking to me about this verse over and over because there's just no way I can do this life on my own. I need him. I need him to walk and take and carry me. Jude chapter 1, verse 24 to 25. It says, to him 
who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, authority, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Go well. You must have a blessed week. But also I want to invite if you have a tug in your heart and the Lord has said some things to you, there will be pastors here to pray with you and to encourage you. Have a blessed week. Thank you so much.